to A Nightmare on Fear Street. We're Trent and Sheree, and we're chatting about the fiercest genre. Expect hot takes, cold drinks, and a couple of fights. Check out the link in the episode description to connect with us via the usual socials, Patreon, and our YouTube channel. All right, everyone, we are here, and today we are covering the new icon amongst us, Saltburn. Listen, y'all, what better way to start off February and our theme, Love Gone Wrong? Because this is obsession at its finest, and it is very wrong, and I am here. This is clear, this messaging. I'm having a beer. The audacity was sheer. I'm going to just cheer. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yes 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 agreed on all of that i also loved it i honestly think emerald fennel is becoming one of my favorite filmmakers out there making stuff today because i i love i love promising young woman one of my favorite films of the decade Mm -hmm. and i really love this movie too so it's this is a strong double i love both of these movies because what happens is we've gotten so used to cis male narratives and cis male directors doing dry ass shit and making us sit through it and saying it's art and we better get on it or we don't understand art and she's like what if it's fun what if there's some pink what if there's some purples what if there's some blues what if it isn't a b c d what if it's all the colors of the fucking rainbow And she's approaching it through a different lens because like, I mean, don't get me wrong. She comes from money and she's a white woman from the UK. So like different experience, but it's not the same as some of the men that we keep dragging out of retirement who are in their eighties doing the same thing and not getting on board with women having lines (laughs) or agency. And and not making everything heteronormative. Right. I have seen no titties in an Emerald Fennel movie. I have seen some male frontal nudity and the men were... And I am okay they were with pearl it. clutching. They were like, that's just too far. I've seen bitches enter so many movies taint first. And you've never been like, it's too far. But like, he does one dance to give his character some closure. And you're like, it's just gratuitous and wrong and sick. I don't think so. If Barry Kogan was to come in here in my house on Dance Around Naked, he can do it any day, anytime, any... I got the song on repeat already anyways. So like... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's just go to this. Mary Kogan and Jacob Elrodi are both so fucking hot. Every one of this movie is so fucking hot. I was just like... Mr. Elrodi, yes. I'm so proud of him because I watch Euphoria because LaBob, I didn't I didn't sit out and find Euphoria. LaBob put it on. I was like, oh no, I'm hooked. And so I've been watching him for a couple seasons and he's a fine actor. But like in 2023, he came out with Saltburn and Priscilla. And I was like, oh, you're a real actor. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, sir. The Elvis movie that we can talk about, because like at least, you know. I support any Elvis movie where we acknowledge he's a predator. I'm an manipulative bastard who stole from people. <laughs> because not enough of them do that, which is why I don't normally watch them. I wasn't going to watch Priscilla. I, I could have seen Priscilla when I was at London Film Fest, and I caught Saltburn. But I was like, I don't care about Elvis. And when I got back to the States, they were like, no, it's the correct Elvis movie. I'm like, damn it, say that louder next time, because I got to pay to see it now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I plan on it. I did not watch the other one, but it, it's a yeah. moment. I'm not gonna say too much. I that's another woman director who I sometimes fucks with, not all the time, but sometimes she gave me virgin suicides, so I'm not mad at her. And I also think that she's another nepo baby, but like she, I said another nepo baby. Emil's not a nepo baby in the industry. Different situation. Her family does have a fucking ton of money. But not for film and whatnot. Yeah. I'm sure that when you're rich, you can get in anything. Right. But 
it's different True. as opposed to Sofia Coppola, right. who, because her last name will do anything she wants to. Mm-hmm. We lucked out in that she does give yeah. us some gems because I still think Virgin Suicide is one of my favorite movies as a child. And Priscilla has a vibe. I wanted some other things, but it gave me a lot. And I'm not mad I saw it. I just, I wanted something a bit different, but also I've not read the books. So I don't know what her source material was. Yeah. Well, and either way, Jacob Alrati is out. He is doing the damn thing and looking good. I love that his it, last so name is Alordi because Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. That man is like six foot four. <laughs> like, have you seen the yes. press coverage of him and Barry? Because like, Barry is a normal sized man. Uh, Jacob was six foot five. But he looks tiny. He looks like a child. <laughs> right, but he looks, he looks tiny. Like, which is why I'm not mad that he's like five years older than Jacob because he looks like a child next to Jacob and he's a grown ass man. He's got kids. He's like a kid. He's up for Oscars and shit and he looks like a tiny little man who's just like, yeah, I'm an actor. I'm like, yeah, you are, baby. I will say I did feel weird coming because y'all know we just covered, or not just covered, but recently covered the killing of a sacred deer. And I was like, this, wasn't he like 12 in that movie? And now he's definitely in his 20s to 30s. That's just it. He's been an adult for a minute because he's like 31. And that movie was not that long ago. What happened was he had kind of like a baby right. face. It wasn't bad, but just some men have that like perpetual baby face. And since then he started working out. Like he's boxing and he puts up those videos on his Instagram and I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so his face is getting more chiseled and defined. And so he... He's not going to be able to keep playing children for much longer at this rate, which is fine because he can do whatever well, he wants. I'm at, After this final scene, I am a-okay with him playing some Listen. adults. <laughs> I feel far less complicated. Right? <laughs> well, he's making life real complicated. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do I need to go to therapy? Like, what is going on here? And now I'm like, okay, it makes right? sense. <laughs> no, but like, while we're thirsting after him, I just have to like... <laughs> Because I, I love this movie. I keep leaping around. But I was going to say that this was actually very tasteful nudity. It wasn't gratuitous. It was very artsy. There was like shadows. And it was telling a story. And it was going for something. As opposed to just like the gross directors who were like, hey, I decided to get your boobs out today. Go for it. And they're like, what? That's not in the script. It's not in the contract. What happened? Um, this isn't a Ronnie you for um, Freddie versus Jason situation. <sighs> it was all agreed on. They worked it out. They choreographed it. And even he's like, after the first time you do it, you're like, okay, I, I got it. Let's do it. It's less awkward. And I I love that because it feels like he was taken care of on this set as opposed to, again, the gross directors we find out about later in life. So that's another thing Emerald is doing right from what we're hearing at this point in time. I I think that she handled it in a very tasteful manner and it's for character development because it removes another layer of this character who's been so many different people this entire movie and he gets to fully be himself and embody who he is in this house that he won however he wanted which i mean i'm not here to say if it was crimes or not crimes these murders oh, <laughs> and so i wish me would stop clutching their fucking pearls and just stop trying to interrupt women because she's doing the things give mama her flowers yeah i absolutely agree i think the nudity is handled really well and it's tastefully put like you said like even the even the stuff with you know when they're out in the field laying naked it's just it's like it goes to this idea of the absolute absurdity of this rich ass fucking family. Like it is yeah. wild. The way they speak about things, the it just sended me the whole sent me the whole movie. I was just like, what? It's right. Gone. 
they they are so weird. It's like a pack of vampires, which is why I love that it's filmed as sort of a gothic horror movie, like the style and like the imagery and like even like the nighttime scenes with the under the window and it's gothic ass castle. Uh, and again, I feel like Oliver is definitely a vampire of sorts, not the kind that he was selling Venetia on, um, but a money vampire for sure. <laughs> and maybe a booty vampire. We don't know him. Look, he was an equal opportunist. Listen, okay, so let's get into that a little bit because one of the criticisms I'm getting on Twitter a lot is that people are saying they didn't want another bi villain. I think he's definitely somewhere under the LGBTQ plus umbrella, but I don't think he's bi so much as if he was into anybody, it really was Felix on some level because he does fuck his grave. And that's his only penetration. Everybody else he's doing favors for. And we assume there's other things, but we can't prove that. And so I kind of look at him as like the best spy we never had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where they're going to do what they need to do to get the job done. Right. Getting their money. And I, I think to label him as a quote unquote by villain is a, to do a disservice to the vast people that identify as bisexual, like, and, and to label him as a quote unquote they're all kind of villains in this way. Like they're all kind they're of funny. shitty people. And so to say that he is the by villain, I think misses the complexity of this, of this film. And I think that they're missing the point if they're going to that route. Like, is he a good person? No. Is really anyone in the situation a good person? I mean, no. no. Different levels of fucked up at different times. Sure. But like, I kind of liked that everyone was kind of shitty and also great and also funny and also weird. Like it's all, it's a satire, right? Like this is a whole dark satire on wealth and class and privilege and all of that. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, lots of people who do adult films or do sex work are sleeping with people of all genders, because again, it's the check, it's the job. And I feel like that's what he was doing with, all of the things he was doing for this entire family because we watched him become different people for each person to keep that person happy and to keep that person good gracious in case his other way in falls through. <laughs> um, and so I, that's how I read him. But again, it's, it's not my place. And I also think that part of that conversation is the lack of representation because there's just not a lot of bi characters out in the world in media. So when you get the few that could be, it, it's that whole, this is the reputation I get. So this is what I got to talk about. And this is how I feel about it. Yeah. And so it, I don't know. I don't know. I I never believed he was in the women, though, if that makes sense. Yeah, his stuff with Benicia really felt like that was the time. That and Far Farley is that, is that the Farley? Yeah, Farley. Those two are the were the one. I because like you, I agree. I think that he genuinely had some kind of complicated love for Felix, but I don't think he did that for Venetia or Farley. Like clearly not no. Farley, but. <laughs> I feel like him and Felix, I feel like his thing with Felix is that weird thing where you don't know if you want to be that person or if you want to fuck that person. And because he wants to go upwards in life, it, it got real fucking murky. And at the end, he was like, I, I want to have the life, not so much the person. It would have been cool to have the person, but he got to die. And until that point, because like in the first act, I relate to this character, which is why I wonder what it would have been like if this character had been black, because that would have changed the dynamics between him and Farley, who's like, you don't belong here. 
And we definitely have people who are the same race coming to each other as like scholarship kids and shit. And it's like, hi, we were both here on the same scholarship. Fuck off. But that insecurity and need to put each other against each other because of society. And again, I love Barry Kogan. I think he did everything with his role and I don't see anybody doing it better than him. But I just think that sometimes when we don't look at other ways of getting more intersectionality, we miss conversations that could happen in our work. But I just think that he... I think he wanted the things that he wanted and he was willing to do what he needed to do to get to them. And that's just all that was to it. I, I don't even think he enjoyed sex, even with the grave. I think that was just him being like, I wanted to be inside of him after drinking a tub of his cum. Oh, <laughs> I never got to, fuck. And again, he's not well. He is he is like a couple costumes away from being a Batman villain. And so we will never really know. We're all speculating at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, truly. <laughs> 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 I want to also say every single performance in this movie is great. I love them all. You know, Rosamund Pike. This is my favorite. This is my first time ever seeing her act because I never saw her other stuff. Because if you look at her resume, why would I see that other stuff? <laughs> this is my first time seeing her and I'm in love with her. And I hope she does more stuff I want to see because I want more time with her. Yes, she's great. Who? What's the dad's name? Oh, Richard E. Grant, yeah. he's been doing everything for always, well, but I've never seen him have as much fun. This, as in is, this, movie. this is my favorite movie he's done since Spice World, so there it is. I forgot he was in Spice World, because he's <laughs> everywhere. So maybe he had fun in Spice World and I just forgot, but he, he as the bumbling husband who doesn't really have a purpose, he's like, I just want to make a suit of armor. Yes, dear. We don't know what anybody does for a living. We, they just, we just know that they're rich and they vacation all the time. Because it didn't feel like this vacation was a break. It was like, this is just like a new location. Lounge around, everybody. Right. I think that's kind of the point, is that once you're that rich, you don't do anything. You just, your money makes more money, and you get more money on top of that money, and then you, I don't know. That's all you do. Looking at the Kardashians, looking at Paris Hilton. I mean, yeah, you might dabble in like, you might make an album here or there, or you might make a movie because you want your board, but it's not like a job. Like, none of them have jobs. Yeah. Which is another reason why I think Oliver was like, I could go to school and like learn how to do something and go get a job. Or I could be one of these worthless bitches who just have money and do coke and vacation all the fucking time. Which I mean, I'm not mad at him for being like, mm, I choose option B. <laughs> right. But yeah, all the performances are great. I will I will say I for me, my highlights are Barry Cogan, who plays Oliver, of course, and Allison Oliver, who plays Venetia. I thought she had such a fun ride. Like she, at the end, after his, after Felix's death, and she's just pouring the wine. It's just overflowing the glass. It was gorgeous. That scene is one of my favorites. Venetia is a rock star. I, I don't know this actor aside from this movie either, mm -mm. but I want to, and I feel like she's got other stuff I'm willing to watch, unless my Googled. But like, that scene, I actually have in my notes because I fucking love that scene when they're trying to get like Felix's body out of the hedge and people are still trying to like go on with their normal day, but they are upset as fuck and people are crying at the table and she's just like, wine, 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 wine. And they pull the like drapes and everything turns red and you're reminded <laughs> your son's fucking dead. And she's like, you're not leaving us, are you, Oliver? The first time. That is the moment where these caricatures become characters for a second. Which is kind of amazing because the whole time you're like, they're funny, but like, whatever, they're disposable. And then you're like, no, don't dispose of all of them, Ollie. And he's like, too fucking late, bitch. And I'm like, no. Well, that, and that's when you really see how unhinged they all are. Like, literally, I think the only person that truly speaks his mind is probably Farley. 
because Farley's like, why the fuck are you still here, Oliver? <laughs> why are you here? <laughs> and I love that because up top, you're like, why is Farley being a dick to this kid? I mean, then you're like, oh no, this kid's a threat. Farley was right this time, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I- I lived, I laughed, and I loved. And also the the dynamic between Oliver and Farley was re- like those barbs they would throw back and forth, especially at the at the karaoke stuff when uh, oh that was all so backhanded. And like anyone that I feel like if you like the fucking I don't really love these shows, but the Desperate Housewives shows, the, uh, the Housewives of mm-hmm. New York or Beverly Hills or whatever the Ten Buck Two. Okay. Like Desperate Housewives was actually a bop. Not that, other no, shows yeah. different. The house, just housewives. You mean the housewife series, the yeah. reality TV shit? Yeah. Because you said Desperate Housewives, I'm like, how dare you slander my bitch? But well, oh. even the even the Desperate House, it's all about that catty, cutting. Like you have to do it with a smile on your face and thank you. Oh, this is your song, and it's. <laughs> Farley was 100 percent that bitch, yes. and I love that for Farley because we don't have enough black people who are so fucking high on their high horse looking down on people ever. And granted, he never liked to stand on. And up top, we're like, why are you being so mean to him? We don't know what's happening here. Because I knew nothing about this movie other than Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan were to be here. That's all I knew, and Emerald Fennell did it. And that's when I muted everything so nobody could ruin it for me. So I ran in to see it at fucking LFF, and I was like, oh, this is what this movie is? <laughs> I was never going to be ready anyways. (laughs) (laughs) No. Absolutely. But Venetia is definitely the low-key rock star because clearly people will shut up to see Jacob Elordi in like (laughs) these really cute lights and be like, ooh, he's twinkly. And see if Keoghan be unhinged again, which he always is. Uh, And some people were here for Rosamund Pike, Rosamund Pike, which again, I did not know her until this movie, but now I'm happy to know her. And that bitch stole it. Like, one of my favorite things about this movie is we've seen Barry snatch movies from other people his whole career, and this is his first leading role in a feature film. And so to watch him have to hold his ground while people are coming and sniping for him to be like, I'm still this thing. He's like, no, you're not. Sit down, Carrie Mulligan. I'm still here. And she's like, but I got a new wig. And he's like, no, it's my moment to shine. <laughs> uh, okay, so something else that I <laughs> sends me, and I cackled when I read this. Uh, at least on IMDb, and I'm assuming everywhere, Carrie yes, Mulligan's character is credited as poor dear Pamela. <laughs> I, what's the thing about poor dear Pamela is not only is Carrie Mulligan having the most fucking fun in these wigs, <laughs> but also after she's gone, she's still getting laughs because they're like, what do you mean she died? She'll do anything for attention. What? <laughs> To even put her, I that would be top top build on my resume. I played poor dear Pamela. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love it because it means that Emerald likes to keep actors she's worked with, so we can see some of the Saltburn cast in her next movie, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Because I love all these people. I do. They gave me the most unhinged <laughs> thriller I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. And I know people are like oh, those three scenes are gag-worthy. And some people are like, I've seen grosser because people are just edgelords. And so they're like, no, I've seen weirder shit. It's not a contest. Right. She wasn't after trying to do the weirdest shit. She made a movie. It's fine. You don't go up to Scorsese and be like, I've seen a five-hour movie before. Um, when you check your favorite men who do the least, <laughs> come back for this bitch, okay? Right, <laughs> right. That's when you can say something. And I will say, I did not expect this because like my only experience with Emerald is 
Promising Young Woman, which has some like quirky, funny moments. But like, I was not expecting how funny this movie was. Like, there were multiple times I was laughing out loud. It's it's a comedy thriller in a way we don't normally get because normally we get thrillers that are sort of funny, or we get comedies that are, kind of have a couple thrilling moments. This is a full on gothic hysterical <laughs> thriller and i i knew she had it in her because she took over killing eve for the second season after phoebe Waller-Bridge left and it was the second best season because how you don't top phoebe Waller-Bridge, but it was the second best season of the show's run because she understands that kind of humor she understands that kind of dark depravity and that's my that's my calling card that is my summoning circle and so i was expecting that in promising young woman and it was it was there as much as you could be with that topic, but like you couldn't really go funny ha 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 because yeah. then what the fuck is that? Well, right, and I think too it helps that this is a satire, right? Like promising young woman is not necessarily. I mean, it's got satirical stuff in it, but it's not a satire. This is a satire. This is a satire done well, which you don't get anymore. And I wonder if that's part of the disconnect for a lot of people because so many people are like, it's offensive. So it's satire. This isn't offensive. <laughs> At least for me. I Again, I know people on Twitter are talking about how they feel they don't need another by villain because again, like representation and they don't ever come out and say what he is or is not, which is another thing that I have been tracking because, like, I, I definitely sometimes have characters in my own work who I'm not like this person identifies as this. They just do the things. Right. And one of the notes I usually get, usually from older white men, which is why it's been weird to see it on Twitter, but also I don't understand what goes on, because, again, not my community. But usually older white men are like, but is she gay or is she straight? <laughs> and I'm like, she's trying to get paid. <laughs> she She's trying to get paid. Right, unless that, ha- unless that fact of that person's identity comes into play in that story... It doesn't matter. Like, there are people at the end of the day. Now, if you're writing a romance, well, then, of course, you've got to yeah. state what they identify as. But if you're writing a action, th- like, no one asked, well, because they all, that's the thing that gets me, is for so long, everyone has just assumed that every character is straight. Like, no yep. one asked if Tom Cruise's character from Mission Impossible was straight or gay. No one asked. I have thoughts. Well, <laughs> no one asked. I've never seen the movie. I assume. Uh, well, right. <laughs> no one asked if Laura Croft was straight or gay. They just fantasized about her yeah. anyway. Like it didn't pertain yeah. to that story, so it wasn't told, and people just assumed that it, it that they were straight. But now, in today's world, when we actually have diversity, people can't just make that assumption, and now their heads are exploding. But it's still at the end of the day that doesn't pertain to this story, so it didn't need to be said. I think the only other thing that you could mention as possibly offensive, which trigger warning, but like consent with Farley when he jumps on his bed and like gives him a handy. There's some consent. Well, (laughs) Farley very consented. Um, Farley was very much into it. I don't know. Cause he was like, what you doing? Oh, what you doing? Okay. I'll be behaved. And so I was like, okay. But also while we're talking about the Farley bedroom scene, that and Venetia's those two sex scenes specifically. Cause like Venetia, he's all up in her blood. the vampire. And like he eats her out again, no penetration as far as we know. Maybe they took it somewhere else and we just didn't get that part of the story. With Farley, before he goes to do it, he punches a mirror as if he's really fucking angry, obviously. But is he angry because of what just happened to him? Because he's just embarrassed, or is he angry because he'd go put out again? Because he doesn't want to, but is going to because again he has his eyes on the prize. And so I think it'd be cool to track the sexiness of the sexy movie to see 
what is and is not because I think that a lot of us are missing those pieces because he literally punches a mirror and then like takes that same well take the other hand because that one was sore <laughs> and he gives a handy and waits him to go to sleep and it's like now nah, I'm getting your phone bitch <laughs> it wasn't like oh yeah I want to be here and it's sexual oh I'm enjoying this and again I think that he would have been an amazing spy I think it would have been an amazing porn star. <laughs> I think it would have been an amazing sex worker because he is like, what gets me to the bag? That's what I'm going to do today. Right, right. Yeah. 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 I think Oliver's such a fascinating character. I think that, I know people are like, it's talented Mr. Ripley. I'm never going to watch that. I don't care for Matt Damon. I, however, this is fun. This is one of the few movies where I know things could be cut because she's just barely over two hours. So I know some things could be trimmed. But I don't want them trimmed because I'm having so much fun being seduced into this world as they're seducing Oliver into this world, which is what you want when someone's going to give you a long ass movie. You want it to be worth it every frame and every shot and every second. You don't want, here's me just masturbating for 30 minutes because I'm a man. And Emerald's like, no, what would pull people into this world? What would make them stay? What would make them want to like be in this bitch with Oliver? And she gives it to us left and right. Like, I can't eat. Right. And she's building... Like, everything builds on top of itself. So it all kind of has to be there, in my opinion. Because, like you said, it is slowly inviting you into this environment, into this culture that Emerald knows 99.9999999% of people who watch this movie have never experienced. So, like, you have to kind of ease them into it. And I think, too, there's enough there there to uh, warrant a timestamp of this of this caliber of this length because yeah you have to get all these intricate details of these characters so that you understand why oliver is making the decisions he's making like the way he approaches venice like you were saying earlier he's a different person depending on the character he's talking to the way he approaches farley is 1000 percent different than the care the way he approaches venetia which is a thousand percent different than the way he approaches the mother Rosamund Pike's character. You have to know those things to be able to understand what Felix is doing. Or Oliver, I'm sorry. Yeah. Elspeth. I always forget Elspeth's name because I want to say Elizabeth and I know, now I'm like, it's not right. It's not right. It's like it's stuck in my head, but it's Elspeth. <laughs> we also talk about how all these rich people with weird ass fucking names, Elspeth, Elspeth, Farley. Yeah. Venetia. Venetia. <laughs> And again, like it's it's definitely a rich people kink to be like, let's name it something weird. But also, it's also very gothic. It's very gothic because Venetia, we've heard in how many gothic horror novels. Farley, I'm sure it pops up a lot. I don't read enough of them to be like these nine, but I'm sure because it sounds familiar. So I've heard it once or twice somewhere in the back of my brain when I was an English kid, probably. And so I love that you take all these like caricatures <laughs> and you put them in this blender and you come out with this kind of like punky gothic. <laughs> comedy thriller that's it, it is kind of sexy i think that oh. and maybe it's part of the reason people are upset is that it was billed as like a sexy gay situation and it it, it is but it's not it is not <laughs> it is love gone wrong like a hundred percent it's obsession which again when people want somebody so badly and it's obsessive it gets very weird it gets very murky we've seen so many takes a single white female um, we've seen somebody take some movies like that where mm-hmm. it becomes that line of do you want this person? Or do you want to be this person? And then you sort of try and swallow this person whole and end up trying to kill them. And so, again, I think that Oliver definitely used Felix as his in and was like, but also there's more. 
well, wait, there's more. <laughs> and was like, how can I stay? Because at the end of the day, Felix was also disposing of these men because these, these buddies were his projects. Mm-hmm. They were his toys. Mm-hmm. Once they went outside of what he wanted them to do or once he got bored with them, he would throw them away just like his mom does her friends. Because again, you repeat the patterns you see growing up. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And that's the what's so many times I think Venetia and Farley both tell Oliver, oh, this is just temporary for you. Like, we're here. This is our house. You're just mm-hmm. Felix's summer pro- project that he brings home. You're you're this summer. Last summer was yep. another one that fucked uh, Venetia and then they he left or whatever. And I think that there's something to that because again, Venetia wants to fuck and maybe that's her game is to fuck his new friend and be like, you have to show your toys and then send it away. So she gets more of his attention because he is a magnetic little baby. And I know that that isn't part um, the way Felix is written, but also just like Jacob Alordi in general, he is the moth she's talking about in that bathtub. People want to be around that. He's a six foot five, gorgeous man. Who's clearly talented. And we did not give him credit for it for seeing his set in 2023. And so like, of course people want to be around it. Of course they're going to like do whatever they can to keep it. I mean, our friend Oliver went above and beyond. Um, <laughs> Truly. And so he kept giving him whatever he needed to stay. He's like, Oh, you like a project? Well, my father died. Here's a sad story about how my mom was on drugs. And all of it was fucking lies. Can we talk about the parents for a minute? Because when they pull up, first off, I was upset at Felix before the first time I saw this movie because I'm just like, you don't know people's stories. I think he's lying to you, but still, you don't, don't ever do that. Don't ever show up and be like, I'm going to help you mend fences with your parents. Fuck you. Right. That's a much people shit. It's another thing that I related to before Oliver got wild. <laughs> it's another <laughs> thing I related to. <laughs> because so many, specifically white people, are just like, it's not as bad you say it is in your home. It is, bitch. It fucking is. So many of them are introducing themselves to my trauma like a TV show. Like, when I was working at Victory Gardens, this bitch I was writing for, who didn't pay people, just gave us tickets to theater, I snapped at her one time, and I was like, here's all this shit that's happened to me, because somebody I know has just gotten murdered. And I was like, so I'm not trying to do free work right now. Please leave me alone. She told her friend, so when they showed up at Victory Gardens to see me at the bar, she's like, how's that going with that case? I've already told her about it. And I'm just like, um, I'm not going to give you updates on my trauma. Also, fuck you and your other white friend, bitch. I, again, I feel like if Oliver had been black, we would have gotten to some other territories that might be murkier. But also, I think that that is specifically something because the only thing rich people love more than being like, we're helping this poor person is to be like, I'm not racist. We're helping this poor black person. Mm-hmm. Also, this is a story we'll never have because of our privilege, but we can't say that. So give us more. Give us more. Well, Your mom's a junkie. Yeah. Right. And this movie kind of goes there with Farley and that scene with Farley and Felix when Farley's like, what's the name of your footman? The two black people he's employed. He's like, no, 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 no. You know. I love that moment because you see Farley give that footman a look earlier and you're just like, okay, he's not drinking all the Kool-Aid. And so I love that moment because it does give us that context that Farley remembers his place and he remembers how he's not really, this is not really his home no matter what he tells Oliver. He knows this. But also, again, I think that we had another black person, we could have had more conversation and it wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, we almost did that thing. Oh. Yeah. And again, yeah, I'm not absolutely. Naki Berry because he's one of the few white men I want to see holding awards in award season. But like, I'm just saying, <laughs> had that role gone to somebody who was more othered, that could have been a thing. It could have been a conversation that we could have, we were missing. Because again, I fucking love this movie. It's been my personality for almost four months now. 
I'm not stopping. Murder on the Dance Floor is forever on repeat. No matter what I'm doing, just know I'm shimming to that. And so I'm not mad at it, but it's one of the few things that I would want to talk about if we, if I could go back in time and I knew people involved, I'd be like, but what if? But what mm-hmm. if? I now it's a, now it is a life goal, a bucket list item to dance around naked in a gothic castle playing that song. I'm gonna put up pictures of gothic castles to just do that in my apartment because I'm never going to Saltburn. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Is Saltburn a real place? I don't even know. I don't know what the actual place is called, but I know that like there were connects to get at least the exteriors, okay. um, if not interiors. I, I need to relook up that. I need that. I need to re-Google that. That's the correct phrasing. Because <laughs> I went on a deep dive and I saw it in London. I also, while I'm talking about the architecture, I love that his tour at the end when he's dancing to Murder on the Dance Floor Naked is basically the tour that Felix gave him when he was entering the home. Which yeah. again is how you give a character a bookend and you give them that other layer. People are so lazy when it comes to characters. While people are clutching their pearls about him being naked, you're missing the story. You're missing story here, y'all. Well, I support the nudity. I support him being naked. Barry Cogan can be naked anytime he wants to be. BK can have it his way. <laughs> yes. I'm so here for him and his weird little characters. I don't know what this man has done because all men are failing me. <laughs> and I don't want to know because he delivers a weird-ass character like nobody else. I feel like... When I think of, I want to see a weird movie, I pull up what his resume looks like and I pull up <laughs> what Elijah Wood's resume is doing and Justin Long, because those are the three horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> if you can't find a weird movie you've not seen on those three resumes, what are you doing? <laughs> that is very true. Very true. I also, because I, again, I love this movie, but the soundtrack, the soundtrack doesn't get enough love because this was a period piece, which was weird to say because it was not that long ago. <laughs> No, but like all these bands or people I was listening to and like I love the placement of some of them like when they're in that cornfield or I, wheat field. I don't know where they grow in London because I don't know what we grow over here the nudity but field. like they're in that one field right yeah. and they're naked yeah. <laughs> and MGMT's Time to Pretend starts and the first time you see it it's like oh I love that song but when you see it the second and third time you're like because he's pretending bitch you were telling me things <laughs> oh no <laughs> So the soundtrack is cheekier the more you watch the movie because these placements are happening during scenes that are key scenes. But the first time you're in, you're just like, I'm in love. This is pretty. Oh my God, it's gorgeous. My mind is being blown. Oh. And the second and third time, you're like, you you told me that and I didn't pick it up. You let me know we were going to do that and I didn't pick that up. Like, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's Jacob Elrod- El- Elordi's ass. Let me just, uh, hold on. <laughs> I knew when those photos rolled out and he was in the blue light with the eyebrow piercing, there'd be no peace for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no peace. <laughs> it's going to be real hard for me to go back and do whatever the next Euphoria season is going to be. Because, like, that set's going to be, that set's going to need better security. Right. And he's so tall, he's going to, like, tower over the fences so you can just, like, a giraffe. Listen, a sexy giraffe. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I. I mean, you're not wrong. I've never lied. One of my other things I'm really digging about J- Jacob Elordi right now is that he was like, I was really embarrassed by the kissing booth. I had to pay bills. And so many people are like, how dare you say that? I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Young adult movies are important. Those movies look like garbage, which I never saw them. I didn't know him aside from Euphoria until 2023 when he did Priscilla and Saltburn. Well, and 
people love to police what other people talk how they how they talk about their own work because didn't they do the same thing or they uh uh fuck what's her name uh tara from scream uh, did she say she didn't want to do something she said she talked about how previous projects weren't that great or like she didn't enjoy oh, them Jennifer take and say a lot of things that upset people because she's brown well <laughs> so, <yeah>. fair <laughs> But anyway, like people love to police how people talk about their own projects. He didn't say that you can't enjoy that movie if you enjoy that movie. He just said it wasn't artistically fulfilling for him or whatever. Like he didn't love the project. That's fine. He still got a paycheck and he moved on. Do you love your job every every fucking day you go to it? I don't think so. Probably not. No. So sit down. If you say that, you're a liar or you work for yourself by yourself. But, like, he's one of the few stars who did that last year. And, of course, he got pushed back. But, like, the ones who were brown obviously got more pushed back. The ones who were brown women specifically got more pushed back. And they were like, ruin her! But, like, no actor, especially a young actor, is like, I want to do children-appropriate movies. They want to do, like, the weird shit. They want to get into the nitty-gritty. They want to, like, use that real degree in the stuff they just learned. And there are some older people who have kids, and they're like, I want to make movies my kids can see. Because they said that a lot in their interviews, which while so many celebrities who are a certain age are like I'm doing kid movies now more often I'm voicing characters more often because I want to take their kids to the movies with them and I respect that but also some of us don't want to see kid shit I didn't know that Kissing Booth had three movies so I just googled it because I wanted to see which movie he said he didn't want to do anymore <laughs> and now I'm like oh there's three of those bitches no wonder he's salty <laughs> well and like yeah like it's just it's so silly also I want Let's do a poll of every acting student in the world and ask them what their dream job is. I highly doubt anyone's going to put Hallmark movies, teen rom-coms, and children's movies in their top 10. Now, will they take the jobs to get the paychecks, to get the resume credits? Absolutely. And I don't, I don't, I'm not blaming them for it, but you can't yeah. blame them for later saying, oh, I didn't love that project or, oh, I didn't, you know. There's this wild idea that people seem to have and that all actors get to pick the movies they want to make. And that's not the case. Specifically when you're starting out. Because, like, yeah, this kid is gorgeous. Yeah, he's Australian. Yeah, he's six foot five. But you can't just walk in and be like, I'm a star now, okay? You got to start somewhere. Unless you got to do pearl. some bit parts. She's a star! <laughs> One of my favorite husbands, Joseph Quinn. I, I always get back to him. <laughs> but like he definitely did a bunch of like voice work in the commercials right. and i don't think that that's what he lives to do but right. he had to do something on the side of these bbc dramas he was doing i highly doubt jennifer aniston wanted to do the leprechaun movie but here we are she took the job she hates that movie and that movie that's the movie she deserves because that bitch and me are not gonna be friends ever <laughs> if i catch her in these streets <laughs> i'm gonna give her something to tweet about <laughs> But yeah, but you could you could go down the list of huge actors today who their early projects are like, what the fuck? They're in that movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and that's any artist, like even just like just surviving theater school. How many shows do we actually want to do as opposed to how many we did? Right. And so the idea that you think people could just be like, I'm doing this, and because I want to be here, that's not how it works. The, these are jobs. Sometimes you get the thing you want to do. Sometimes you get the thing you gotta pay rent for. And you know what? <laughs> that's fine and dandy as long as that actor is aware of it and not her fighting for it like it's life or fucking death. Mm -hmm. Like if he was like the Kissing Booth trilogy is the art and fuck all of y'all, I'd be like Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I also, yeah, like you're you're right. These are jobs. These are gigs. This is a gig. They have a gig job and. Like, I think people forget that. And I think people also forget 
that like not every actor is Meryl Streep. Not every actor is Tom Hanks, who is making millions of dollars for every movie. You have like, you know, I'm sure Jacob Elordi is not hurting for money at this point because he's had a pretty damn good year. But he might be. They're both kind of indie films. <laughs> oh, that is that's a good point. That's a good point. See, exactly. Like he's probably making a an income that he can live off of, but he doesn't have a mansion in you know what I mean? Like yeah. I say that he may, I don't know him. Exactly. I'm sure it's a nice apartment where we decide to live. And that's my thing, is that if anything, I think that the strikes last year really peeled back the curtain of how much this life costs as opposed to how much people are making. And the money's not mathing, which is why I hate that I have two bad for actors now. Cause I'm just like I see you made 60 grand for that show, but I know 40 of that went to your managers, your lawyers, <laughs> security and all that other shit, well, which is why you're out here doing cons right. so you can get some more money in your pockets so you can live. Right. When the act- right. When the actors were showing like their residual paychecks and it was like negative two cents. I was like, you fucking right. paying them. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, weirdly enough, which is a cool conversation to have for a movie like Saltburn. <laughs> Right. We not everybody we assume is of an upper class is of upper class. Some of them bitches are struggling. Like seeing the stories of people doing what I'm doing, where I have to share rooms with friends when we go to Comic Con or whatever the fuck, or like these festivals. They are also maxing out credit cards to do this shit. Like I am, and like waiting to buy shit when it's cheap on Priceline. I'm like, we have the same life, but you're <laughs> you're known, and I'm nobody. That's all. That's different. <laughs> exactly. Well, I just saw a an article. It was. I say it's an article. Like okay. Was this grand journalism? I don't think so. But it was like some, I can't think of the, who the actors were, but they were like fairly well-known actors who were like roommates right now. And I was like, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. No, and that's why you see so many actors who never say no to a job. Um, Cause we see those people who are never saying no to a job and we feel bad for the ones who are talented because you're just like, why are you in this movie? And then you like find out these stories and you're like, cause you had kids and you can't afford to give your kids security. <laughs> And the house to maintain. Oh my God. There was this actor and I forgot which one. Cause there were so many stories during the strikes, but this actor who was like, our home base is in California in LA. So, you know, that's expensive as fuck. But also when I do a show, I have to find a place to stay. When we go to Canada for however many months for me, I got to fly back home. So my kids don't forget who the fuck I am and help my wife occasionally. <laughs> and like, these things are not mathing when you are getting paid non-serious regular money specifically and so he's like it sometimes costs more to do the acting <laughs> than i bring home and luckily my wife has a good job but also like she's a single mom when i'm gone for however many months when i can't fly back for some of these gigs and it's hard and i hate that we have to like think about that but also we gotta think about that so we can't just like ride or die you fucking celebrities we have to be like some of you do need this money i'm gonna venmo you right here right now like just last year they, there was like a kickstarter or an what's the other one GoFundMe. GoFundMe. There was a GoFundMe to get Mark Patton back to the states to get to his doctor because he got sick in Mexico, and because he was so far between jobs, he didn't have it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. like it's exactly it's sad out here, y'all. It's real fucking sad, and I hate that because we all are like, when we get our big break, it'll be great. It's not. Sometimes your big break just no. lead to like better opportunities to have different problems. But I think too, going off on that, I think people we just need to have more empathy, right? We need to yeah. think like, yes, is there socioeconomic problem in this country. Absolutely. Is there too many fucking billionaires and millionaires? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is Katie Holmes one of them? No. 
Let's talk about yeah. Oprah. Let's talk about Bill Gates. Let's talk about Elon Musk, even though I think he lost a bunch of money on Twitter. But, you know. Because <laughs> that villain is a villain we need to check right now. We're not on his side. Right. Murder him on the dance floor. Don't let him dance. Murder him on the dance floor. Barry Kogan, um, get to it. Get to it. Kill that sacred deer. Like, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> sad sad world and it it's really disheartening because like i always assumed if i ever get netflix money as a writer i'm good and then seeing those netflix writers talk about how they had to steal food from the netflix kitchens to go home and feed their families i was like oh fuck oh no we are all poor together knowing that the people who created the bear had to like rent things to wear to award shows because they couldn't afford i i my brain just be broken and it's it's hard because it's like these were our dreams, y'all. And our dreams are what we're doing right now, <laughs> but not at our nine to fives. And so what do we do? I've been shaking ever since I found that out. Like, that's what the strike took for me because I am I was not working. But this, what it took for me is a dream. I have no dream anymore. <laughs> she is dreamless. I'm dreamless. I am dreamless. <laughs> <laughs> she a dreamless girl. Oh, make you happy. Like, we just we live in a country i can't afford to dream anymore that's where we're at (laughs) yeah capitalism was like fuck your dreams people always are like millennials and gen z's are killing the american dream no bitch the american dream is dead is ded dead how we gonna buy a house when you won't pay us i know you want to convince yourself it's because we eat avocado toast or whatever the fuck but like how about it's because mortgage rates are so fucking high? How about because we don't make enough money to do that with? Like We have student debt out of our assholes. Listen, if you give me a house for avocados, I'll finally buy some avocados. How about that? <laughs> How about that? I'll give you the five avocados tonight. Like, <laughs> where you at? And like, they also are coming at us because like we're not having kids and we're not getting married. These things cost money if for those of us who want it. I'm not one of those. But like my friends who do want to get married and have kids, they're just like, with what money? Are we gonna, what are we going to feed the kid? <laughs> Still bread and dreams? Like, I don't... What are we going to do? Pampers cost money. Child care costs money. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's people like the this literal family that we're talking about in this movie that killed the American dream. Like, I know this is set in England, but, like, still, same same shit, different country. But... Listen, <laughs> it's fancier shit. Like, it's older. Still. It's older shit. Let's, let's be clear. Listen, uh, listen, a lot of it's stolen shit. I've seen those museums. But, like... <laughs> I also think that why I like what this movie is that it doesn't go for the typical eat the rich situation. That's not the theme. It's not the vibe. Mm -hmm. Cause again, Oliver was very comfortable. He just wanted more. He didn't want to work for it, which is a vibe. I'm not mad. But so many people, we've seen so many movies come out. I think we had like two different movies called Banquet or A Banquet or The Banquet a couple years ago. And we have so many people who are copy pasting the same fucking thesis from Twitter and be like, eat the rich, the rich are bad. And that's so boring. And they tell it in such a boring, dry manner. Because they're just like, you're all on my side. I don't have to try. No seasoning. I'm like, bitch, always season your meat. Always season your meat. And this doesn't... (laughs) This doesn't take those pitfalls. It's like, no, we're saying something, but it's not going to be like, eat the rich, everybody, Right? Hold hands? It's more complicated. It's more murky. It's painting with the shades of gray that we forget because we love to have things so black and white. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason why people are just not into it. And I'm just like, no, essays, thoughts, gimme, 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 gimme a novel about it. Let's go. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, too, what makes this movie great, like I've been saying this whole time, is that it is a satire. Like, it is taking 
this universal problem that's been a problem will well hope well who knows will always be but it's a problem in most you know modern countries of this idea that the wealthy just are literally absurdities in and of them in and of themselves like at this point like every time i hear an interview from oprah i am just like girl are you <laughs> are you uh, do you hear yourself like do you understand like and to be fair oprah was not born into it she became a billionaire yeah. on her own which i re- i can respect but it's also like do you have you just gotten so delusional that you don't hear yourself it's it's wild it happens it happens all the time because after a while you get high off your own supply because you're not living a normal life anymore. And so you forget what it's like on the other side. It's why rappers first albums are usually their best album because they're rapping about real shit. And after that, it's all like my Lamborghini was broken. And it was like, bitch, no, you can't. <laughs> We're not dancing to that in the club. Okay. The flousey, flousey. Right. I hate when my maid comes in late. Fuck you. Like, I just, we, we can't, we can't bounce to that. We're on a different wavelength. Yeah. It's, it's like when those celebrities, especially those older celebrities, just are so used to people saying yes to them. <laughs> like, oh my God, John Mulaney, who I know that we have different feels about him now, but John Mulaney used to do this bit. We talk about how he met the Rolling Stones and how Mick Jagger was on SNL, which is how he met him. And he didn't speak anymore. He just said, yes or no. Um, and so you'd pitch him your idea and he'd be like, no. <laughs> or, he, or he'd say, yes. And he's like, um, okay, we can work with that. And like one time he asked for like, I think it was a Coke. That's why I brought him a Pepsi. He's like, no. <laughs> People had like scrubbed the a fucking Coke. And that's what it's like when you get to be a certain level and you don't have to work anymore and you don't have to try anymore and you're out of touch. Like even Barack Obama, who gives those lists at the end of the year, in 2023, he listed three of the movies that his company he founded with Michelle Obama produced as some of the best movies he saw. And Twitter dragged him. And I couldn't defend him because you you can't list your own shit in the favorites. Right. You can't do that. Like if I listed my favorite podcast, the number one was right. F- Fear Street. <laughs> follow Friday. Follow my podcast. <laughs> it's, you can't do that. Yeah. It's kind of like people on, so, on Facebook or Twitter too, I guess, liking their own posts. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. When, when I see people like their own posts and reshare it because they didn't get the attention they wanted, I'm just like, girl, stop. Stop. It's so cringy. And when I see it, I just, I gotta turn my phone off and just look away because <laughs> if nobody interacted with it, nobody interacted with it. It's fine. Not everything's gonna be viral. But like when you were like, I'm gonna reshare it until people acknowledge me. That that is that is giving a level of Oliver. I don't I don't want. <laughs> it is wild to me, but yeah, like, uh, just this, and I think too, this movie does a really good job of making a comment on, like you were saying, Oliver isn't poor, but he is comfortable. He's not rich. He's not like wealthy, wealthy like these people are, but he is comfortable, and it's this idea that. Everyone, especially in Western culture, is, and I'm only saying that because I am not that familiar with Eastern culture, so I'm not trying to make this about that, is interested in taking the next step up. And it's like, okay, when you get to that next step up, when you get to the highest step, where the fuck do you go? Exactly. You can only fall. So many wars were people wanting other people's shit (laughs) and wanting to just take it. And that's why I love... (laughs) 
the title card because the title card makes you feel like we're about to go to war from this castle and we kind of do they said no they were under attack right. before we get off this call we have to go ahead and talk about it because the three scenes that have people gagged i don't know if i would say all of them are gag worthy i think that they are definitely what the fucks and so i just would like to know which scene did you find the most disturbing the fucking the grave Get it. I knew it was coming because I've seen pictures of it. I didn't know what the fuck the pictures meant at the time, but I'd seen like screenshots. So I knew something was happening with Barry Kogan like on the ground doing something strange. I, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. That scene, because I read an interview, because so now I can tell you because you're in the movie. Um, but there's this article going around who was interviewed and because discussing film sometimes tries to like do character limits and whatnot, this title comes across as weird. And so it's like Barry Keoghan says that's his real dick in Saltburn, something like that. Or he's like <laughs> Thanks <laughs> he Barry. Like Thanks dick, for letting me know. Right? Right? And I know they mean like he didn't use a prosthetic, but it comes across as he's got a real dick. He's a real boy. <laughs> which is very Pinocchio. <laughs> and it sent me over the fucking edge and I cackled for like a year. But like <laughs> But, like, in that same interview, he talks about how the day of that shoot, he was like, can we have a closed set that day? I might want to try some things. And was like, yeah. And he decided to fuck the grave. Like, I, I want to see how it was written. Because she was not like, insert your penis into this dirt actor. <laughs> um, that was Barry being like, I'm getting something to talk about. Ooh. <laughs> I wonder how that felt. Like, I wonder. It couldn't have felt good. I wonder if he's still finding dirt in places. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I wonder if it scraped his penis. We're not going to talk about how we hope the best for his penis. I just feel like <laughs> we have already gotten so many citations that we deserve on, on just this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am concerned for Barry's penis, okay? I'm concerned. I hope nobody opens this podcast has worked on that movie because they're going to be like, these perverts. <laughs> We're just thirsty, y'all. And I'm concerned for his, the health of his penis. Speaking of thirsty, the scene that disturbed me the most... Was the bathtub I, gulping? Yeah. But specifically because of the sound. Because I was like, oh no, but the slurping sounds. The slurping sounds hit me. Because you're you're drinking dirty bath water with cum. Like one on its own is a different story, because like I'm not here to king shame. But you were like, no, give me the dirt of the man and give me the cum um, as it's being drained down the old bathtub. And I the slurping. It's the slurping. Not yeah. taking away from Barry, not taking away from the cinematography um, or the direction, but when the slurping. <laughs> thinking about it, I'm, I, I, it's the school. Oh, like a milkshake. I just, it fucking sends me. And that's when I knew this movie was not what the movie I thought it was going to be. Like, <laughs> there's this poor woman on Twitter who was like, I thought Saltburn was going to be a fun rom-com about a boy who has a crush and goes home to the boys' <laughs> family for the summer. And it was not that. Not at all. This is not red, white, royal, blue, okay? It, it's something, it's something, it's something. <laughs> but it's not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, those, that was, that's a good second place for me, is the, the bathtub slurping. He's wanted to get it all. He's wanted to, you know, Listen. help him clean up. Good to the last drop. Like, the best part of waking up is... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Felix in your cup. <laughs> because... We could never show this. We need to just bring this episode, but we're not going to because we're too far into recording schedule. I want to give a shout out to the hair and makeup team because even though the wigs were wigs, they looked appropriate for what these people were doing and who these people were. Poor dear Pamela's wig. 
was her definitely a wig, but like it fit her. Her character would wear that fucking wig. She's like Sia. Yes. <laughs> she is Sia. Yes. She is Sia. She is Sia before she fought autistic kids on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I support that version. Uh, and also the pieces she put into the backs of people's heads. Like Elspeth, I knew that wasn't her real hair back there. But like it looked right. It wasn't me being like, oh, that's fucked up. It was me being like, I just saw that bitch the day before. <laughs> that's not her hair. <laughs> um, and so I, that hair and makeup team understood the assignment. Uh, again, I don't know what their budget was, but like this is this is some wigs that I'm okay with. Because a lot of times you see the wigs, you're like, that poor actor. Why'd you do that? Did, right. <laughs> what can we do next time to get you the funds you deserve? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, gorgeous movie, gorgeous story, gorgeous vibes. I'm here for all of it. Yes. Agreed. Also, we keep thirsting. People as a whole keep thirsting after Jacob and Barry. But like, what about where the Farley stands? Because Archie, is it Mattaqui? I've never actually heard his last name. And I'm an asshole for not trying to find that out. Him and his little Farley hair were real fucking cute. Uh, listen, I'm not turning any of these men down. If they like, can we just let's have a, a party? Let's have a full foursome. Yes. I, Archie, however you say his last name, Farley, is very attractive. I just found out he was in Midsommar, because I've only watched it the one time. Oh, he played Simon. The, yeah. Wait. Yeah, he's the one. Okay, he's the asshole's best friend. Okay. I didn't know there were two black people in Midsommar. I'm not going to lie. Again, I only watched it the one time. <laughs> or is, he the, is he the British one that's there with his girlfriend? He's got to be the British one, because William Jackson Harper was Josh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the one. Okay, he's the the British one that. Oh, he gets put. He get, he gets the antlers. I think like the one he's like. I'm hey. never gonna watch that movie. Ooh. But like, <laughs> good for him for getting checks consistently. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, very pretty, very pretty, very pretty, and also very talented. Like again, this was a movie of actors who shut up to fucking act, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that especially because this is a large ass cast once you get in this house like it doesn't feel large but it's a lot of fucking moving bits and parts and nobody was wasted everybody had something to do even like the butler duncan was there for a reason and had a character arc because you saw that he actually cared about these fools and he also saw what his man was doing to his family but it's not his place to say <laughs> and so nobody was wasted unlike glass onion and knives out and those kind of movies Ooh, shame mm-hmm. all right on top of that hot take, are we ready to get into our actual hot takes? Let's get even hotter. <laughs> I want to feel the salt burn. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds painful. All right, Sheree, what's your hot take? My hot take is this is one of my favorite movies of 2023. I don't know why people keep trying to hate it because it's not th- what they wanted. Because I think we all showed up with different expectations. And I get that. And that might be part of the reason why so many people are like, I, it, it was not the things it was advertised as, which is kind of cool because I we need more misdirection advertising. I'm sorry, people being like, this is our whole movie. Come see it anyways. <laughs> and so, <laughs> again, that's me from my little lens. And everybody else is entitled to feel they want to feel. But I am tired of people hating this movie like she's done something to them. Like, show us the receipts or shh. I also just, I love that we have a movie that's just fucking fun, cool, and cruel. It's okay to have that sometimes. Everything doesn't need to be like a manifesto and an argument. Sometimes it's just like, it was pretty. And also, everybody was really weird and wild. It was a good time. The end. The end. My secret hot take is I should have given it more than four stars on Dread Central. Oh, okay. I should have. I had to write the review right after I saw it. And when after you see something, you're like, I just love it too much because it's fresh. And so I was like, I'm not going to give it five stars. I should have given it five stars. That's fair. 
I'm sorry, Emerald and everybody else. Y'all deserve five stars. <laughs> I lied to myself and I failed y'all. <laughs> I liked this movie a lot. It is in my top of the year as well. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so, so fun. I will say, though, I do prefer Promising Young Woman. I think it. I liked that movie a little better than this movie. I I love both of these movies, but right. I can rewatch this one and have fun. I can't rewatch Promising Young Woman and have fun. Fair. Fair point. It's the hardest movie to watch as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, just, it is. And so I love both, and I love that she can give us both, because so often we find directors who can only tell one kind of story, and she's telling different stories, and I fucking live. Yes. Well, yeah, like I said, I love both of these movies. Both of these movies are in the tops of my decade of films so far. And it, and Emerald Fennel is becoming or one of my favorite filmmakers of our generation. So top notch on both of these films. I just slightly prefer Promising Young, Young Woman. But this movie is so fun, so great. All the performances are incredible. The writing's incredible. The, the production, like set design, costume design, hair and makeup, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. The lighting, oh, so good. Beautiful. I kind of wonder how much of the team for Promising a Woman she kept for this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's a different vibe, but it's it's similar enough where I'm like, I feel like maybe the cinematographer or the lighting designer or somebody rolled over with her. But she, she has a vision. Because again, like, and it also makes sense that you'd be more into Promising a Woman and I'm more into this. Because like, if you look at them on paper, <laughs> I am Saltburn. <laughs> You're a Promising Young Woman. <laughs> like, this is dark comedy. You're not sure if you should laugh, but you're laughing. It's fucked up. And Promising Woman is more like, pop, punk, feminism. (laughs) (laughs) Beat men up. Anyway. (laughs) That's my forever theme. And to give Oliver credit, he takes care of some men. I mean, for the most part, I mean, well, I guess it's 50-50. He took out a whole family. Took out a whole family. He was ready to eat for everybody. He wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to let you go because you're a man. He's like, no, you got to go first, Felix. You know too much. What? <laughs> I tried. And again, if Felix hadn't meddled, he might still have been alive for a few more minutes because he was like, I'm going to fix your family. And now I know too much. And he's like, you know too much. Drink this champagne, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sheree. How many drinks are you giving this one? I'm going to live my truth on this podcast, and like I did on my secret letterbox and on my review for Tar Central, and I'm going to give it five stars. She deserves five stars. I was a liar. I should have I should trusted my instincts and given her five the first time. <laughs> I am giving her four drinks. Uh, I loved it. It's great. One of the best films of the year, for sure. Hands down. Emerald is doing a thing where she's giving us the kind of movies that should be in contention for Oscars. But it's not what the people who like the Oscars want. So they were mad she got an Oscar for Promising Young Woman for writing. They'll be mad she wins whatever she wins for this one. Because they want, again, those dry, dusty male narratives. And it's time to stop. It's time to stop. I know those people gave you joy in film school. (laughs) They have nothing new to say, which is why a lot of us aren't seeing their movies and the movies are flopping. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed this. And I'm excited for her next project, whatever it may be. I'm sure she's working on it. I would kill to be on set. I don't even know, didn't know what it's about. I don't even know who's going to be here. I'm going to be on set to be like, I'm having a donut. And I know this is going to be history. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> right? It's happy to be here. Do you need coffee? What? <laughs> I ordered great coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you all for listening. That is our thoughts on Saltburn. Next week, we'll be covering Let the Right One In, the original, not the, re- not the American remake, the uh, original one.
2008, y'all, get into it. And that's going to continue left gone wrong because how much longer can you get than when you file for a vampire child? We'll get into it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure that you stay fierce out there. Bye.